You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Kiama Community Radio is proud to present to you Any of the Airlines, written, produced, and performed by Neil Riley. Episode 1. Wearing a red cape and a starched white sister's veil, I received my nurse's graduation certificate with a slight curtsy and the false promise of a secure life in gentle service. That was two years ago, in 1958. I don't know how or why that thought landed in my brain now, as I was being held in place 20,000 feet above Miami with a boot on my throat and a gun at my head. There were similarities to being a nurse and being an airline stewardess, but this situation was not one of them. Havana! Havana! My captor shouted through to the cockpit. The pilot and co-pilot swiveled round, looked at me, the boot, the gun, and quickly pulled shut the security curtain. As tasteful as the curtain was, bulletproof it was not. Four shots pierced the concertina plastic of the curtain before it came free of its runners and revealed the pilot had stopped all four bullets. He died almost instantly, just in time for a look of disdain to cross his face, but a half that remained, as he crumpled into the controls. The gunman lunged forward into the cockpit, nearly crushing my windpipe, the trachea to be correct, as he did. He ripped the pilot's body from the seat and took his place at the controls. The co-pilot, in a total funk, clutched his hands tight around his U-shaped joystick and the DC-8 pitched to the starboard and dipped its nose towards the warm waters of Biscayne Bay. I rolled with the plane and bashed up against the bulkhead, hitting it so hard I detached a small oxygen cylinder from its receptacle. It rolled on the deck as it slowly released its contents. The plane leveled out and I heard the gunman scream at the co-pilot. I'm jahacking this plane to Cuba! Although the situation was horrible, a deep fit of laughter burst out of me, damn near dislodging my Wrigley's from my mouth. You see, the gunman said H, where he should have said J and vice versa. Jihacking. So, among the screaming passengers, the dead captain, the out-of-control aircraft, the hissing oxygen bottle, the maniacal gunman, the petrified co-pilot, well, I just giggled like a schoolgirl. I couldn't suppress it. The gunman turned towards me, raised his pistol, and said, You think this is funny? He sounded just like Ricky Ricardo in I Love Lucy. It made me laugh more. I tried to stand, and I just lost my balance. I slipped on the oxygen bottle, sending it rolling towards the gunman. He fired, and the discharge from his gun ignited the oxygen, releasing an orange sheet of flame through the cockpit. I don't know what killed him, the burns, the small explosion, or just the shock of flip-flopping on his words. Anyways, the bullet pierced the fuselage and I stopped laughing. Meanwhile, back in time a few years, I was a nurse on the wards of a major hospital and pulling the last of three graveyard shifts. 
happed in the description of the elderly patients in the proximity to midnight the shift needed to serve. Therese Patrick was the ward sister, a woman that even the kinder patients had difficulty in not finding ugly. She was bottle-shaped, not classic coke, but straight vinegar. Square up and down to the neck with iron-gray hair, whose color matched the growth on the side of her nose. Her bitterness towards the fragile patients was only matched by her nasty attitude to the nurses. She was always cranky, and I advocated that this was possibly because Dorothy had dropped a house on her sister all those years ago. I was already on thin ice. From modifying hospital equipment and unhygienic use of a stick of gum. I had to clean up after patients when plastic commode chairs were employed to wheel them into the shower. The minute they sat, they shat. A very natural reaction. The hole led straight to the floor. I stole a metal tray and using surgical clamps in my Wrigley's gum, I fixed it to the bottom of the commode to catch the offending excrement. It made things easier to clean up and it gave the autoclave a, a reason for existence beyond reheating my coffee. My card was now marked. Nurses eat their young and I was mercilessly harassed. Jade McFall, the son of a patient in the old folks ward, saw what I had previously done with the tray and paid me a compliment to Sister Patrick. This was a bad move on everyone's behalf. He overstayed visiting hours and was forced to leave his mother who was given a clip under the ear for existing and I was on night shift for the rest of my life. Well, spare the rock. The next day, he introduced himself to me and he said he thought my engineering was great for his mom. He was, and I tell no lie. Gorgeous like a pineapple. Oh, sweet and juicy, but with a sharp edge. He looked at me and said he thought he had a better job for me. Where you can... Uh, not only take your talents with you, but uh, be paid a grown-up salary. I managed to tear my stare from his Peter O'Toole eyes and collect myself. I said, I, I think I would love the money, but I, I have invested years in studying and, and, and practical nursing. Besides, I, I graduate next week. I couldn't possibly... Oh, okay, what do you have in mind? Airline stewardess. With my airline, U.S. Global. Okay. Straight after you graduate. Okay, I said, losing myself once again in these pretty peepers. So now here I am on flight 293 U.S. Global. We call it Pan Sam, after Uncle Sam's big sister, Pan Am, which is careening out of control and heading for a quick dip into Biscan Bay. The Jai Hacker fell across the pilot's center console, and in doing so, forced the throttles to fool. Now, 
It is an interesting and little-known fact that the pilot does not actually pilot the plane. That function is the job of the co-pilot. The only task I believe pilots undertake is modeling for Peter Stuyvesant TV commercials. Our co-pilot was knocked back into his seat with a thrust. With his white knuckle grasp still on the joystick, he pulled the stick back with him, raising the nose and correcting the dive. His training brain kicked in and he started to fly the plane. Now my nerves were shot and I was chewing my gum like Mr. Ed. I saw the hole sucking the air out of the cabin. I tried to yell at the co-pilot to warn him, but my croaky throat just offered a very unladylike cough. This dislodged my gum, and it sped like another bullet straight for the perforated fuselage. And there it stuck, stopping the decompression and giving a light peppermint aroma to the cockpit, almost covering the cordite at the gunfire. So the score was this, two dead. One Desi Arnaz impersonator and one pilot, his international passport to smoking pleasure permanently revoked. A new stick of Wrigley's and one oxygen canister lost, and my sing-song voice reduced to a croak as I spoke to the nearest passenger, Will I be coffee or tea this morning? Be sure and join us next week for your next instalment of Any of the Airlines. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.